the third of four readings in this episode from chapter 20 is verses 7 through 10. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. In verses 8 through 10, St. John returns, excuse me, 7 through 10, St. John returns to a theme he began in verses 2, 3, and 5. We learn that at the end of the church age, Satan will be loosed from his binding in, quote, his prison, unquote, meaning the bottomless pit, and be free for a limited time to walk the four corners of the earth seeking supporters whom he will once again deceive. Another strong theme in the verses from Revelation 20, verse 3 and 20, verse 10, is the image of Satan as a deceiver. St. John, having made the connection between Satan and the serpent, is here alluding to the serpent's deceit of Adam and Eve. Eve directly, Adam indirectly in paradise, recounted in Genesis 3, verses 1 to 23, and discussed earlier in this episode, and Satan's manipulation of Job, which is the story of nearly the whole book of Job. A New Testament precedent is St. Paul's warning to the Corinthians that Satan, quote, blinds the faithful to his true purpose and lures them into sin, from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. In Christian theology, the power of binding and loosing refers to the powers granted to the apostles and their successors, the clergy, by Jesus to forgive sins. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's Matthew 16, verse 19. St. John was present in the upper room when Jesus made a similar statement in John 20, verses 21 to 23. The Old Testament precedent for Gog and Magog in verse 8 is Ezekiel 32 and 33 an account of the mysterious ruler Gog and his territory Magog. The likely meaning is all future enemies who band together to oppose the new Israel, which is the church. St. John develops this theme more extensively in chapter 21. These forces who will gather together are said to be as plentiful as the grains of sand in the sea, implying unmeasurable numbers, 
an Old Testament allusion to Jeremiah 33, verse 22, as the host of heaven, the Sabaoth, cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the descendants of David my servant. The same concept is found in 1 Samuel 13.5 and 2 Samuel 17.11 and other books of the Old Testament. They will attack, quote, the camp of the saints and the beloved city. St. Augustine of Hippo wrote that the camp of the saints, quote, is nothing else than the church of Christ extending over the whole world. And consequently, wherever the church shall be, and it shall be in all nations, as is signified by the breadth of the earth. If you would like to read more of St. Augustine's discourse on this part of Revelation, you can find the complete text in Nicene and Post-Nicene Fathers, First Series, Volume 2, pages 426 to 437, under the title, What is Written in the Revelation of St. John Regarding the Two Resurrections and the Thousand Years, and what may reasonably be held on these points. A link to this collection on, uh, available online is http colon right slash right slash www.ccel.org right slash ccel right slash again schaff right slash npnf 101.html. St. John assures in verse 9 and 10 that these forces will be destroyed by fire, quote, from God out of heaven. The Old Testament precedent, as with the allusion to Gog and Magog, is the destruction of the armies of Gog in Ezekiel 32, verses 38, verse 22b, I will rain down on him, meaning Gog, and on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. This event is likely the same warfare in heaven already discussed in Revelation 16, verses 12 to 16, which I discussed in episode 21, and Revelation 19, verses 14 to 21, which were discussed in episode 25. In verse 10, the devil, the beast, and the false prophet are cast for a final time, into the lake of fire, where they will be, quote, tormented day and night. The image of constant torment has an Old Testament precedent in the final verse of Isaiah 66. Their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched, from Isaiah 66, 24, the same verse which may have inspired St. John's description of the New Jerusalem in Revelation 21. The New Testament precedents are the description of the fate of the followers of the beast inflicted by the third angel in Revelation 14, verses 10 and 11, and Mark 9, 43-48, in which Jesus quoted this same verse from Isaiah 66, 24, three separate times. 
The fourth and final reading from chapter 20 is verses 11 through 15. The illustration is folio 53, The Last Judgment from the Bamberg Apocalypse. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Old Testament precedent for the great white throne in verse 11 is the Ancient of Days vision in Daniel 7 verse 9, first discussed in episode 4 in the context of John's initial vision in Revelation 1 verse 14. Nearly everywhere else in Scripture except Isaiah 6 1, references to the one who sits on the throne refer to, to Jesus. Here it refers to God the Father. Many icons in the early church and up to the Renaissance period depict both Jesus and God the Father seated side by side on thrones with Jesus at the Father's right hand, the honored position. What is described in these final verses of Revelation 20 is the general judgment in which the unrighteous have no place, or as it says in verse 11b, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. The dead will be summoned up from the sea and from death and Hades, meaning from the Hebrew Sheol or the abyss or the bottomless pit or the Greek abyssos. They are separated into two groups. The first is the righteous, whose names are found in the book of life discussed in Revelation 3.5, the letter to the church at Sardis, Revelation 13.9, the reference to the book of life of the Lamb, and Revelation 17.8, the book that has existed since, quote, the foundation of the world all based on the references by Moses to being blotted out of God's book in Exodus 32, verses 32 and 33, and words spoken by Jesus concerning names written in heaven in Luke 10, verse 20. The second group is the unrighteous, or wicked in the King James Version, who are judged, quote, according to their works. In verse 15, St. John says that all those not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Later, in Revelation 21, verse 27, he will add to that, saying that only those whose names are written in this book will be allowed to enter the New Jerusalem. An Old Testament precedent is Psalm 1, the so-called two-ways psalm in which the world is divided 
into two groups, the righteous and the ungodly, and a promise is made to both, and which also includes the first beatitude in the book of Psalms. Here is verses 1, 2, and 7 of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that hath not walked in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stood in the way of sinners, and hath not sat in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law will he exercise himself day and night. But the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, and the way of the ungodly shall perish. Another small detail is another reference to the great and small among the dead. As I noted in episode 24, mentioning previous uses of the phrase in Revelation 11, 18, 14, 7, 15, 4, and 19, 18, St. John is referring to the universality of judgment being applied not just to the socially politically and economically lowly, but also to the rich and the powerful in all aspects of society and not to large and small furry creatures in the manner made popular in the Victorian era by Cecil Francis Alexander's hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful, published in 1848. After the general judgment, according to verse 14, after the judgment of all, death and Hades itself are tossed into the lake of fire. St. John further develops the theme that the combination of death and Hades would no longer be needed in the new creation, which is described in detail in, chapter, in Revelation chapter 21. St. Paul refers for the second time in chapter 20 to the second death, which was first mentioned in Revelation 2, verse 11, the letter to the church at Smyrna. Next time, in episode 27, the focus is on chapter 21, a new heaven and a new earth. Thank you for joining me for both parts of episode 26 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. This internet-based ministry is entirely supported by your public contributions and by book sales. You can help in several ways. You can make a donation in any amount payable to the Anglican Internet Church and sending it to our business office address, 7162 Southwind Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or you can purchase any of our books through my author page, www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Be assured that 100% of all book royalties are donated to the Anglican Internet Church. Or you can like us and subscribe to our podcast at our Podbean site, which hosts our extensive collection of hundreds of MP3 podcasts. While you're at our YouTube page, I invite you to join our Google Plus circle by clicking the subscribe button. As a Google Plus member or subscriber, you'll receive notice of each new video. Our URL address is now www.youtube.com right slash C right slash St. John C with Saint spelled out. 
or you can follow us and like us on the AIC Facebook page using either the direct address on the screen or the link to it from the homepage at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, and then bookmarking the page for easy return. Or you can read and subscribe to my weekly blog posts, anglicaninternetchurch.wordpress.com. Finally, you can request the weekly update, a weekly email with the latest news and links to the most recent videos, podcasts, blog posts, and publications. Send your request to me to frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. The names and email addresses of all recipients of the weekly update are blocked to protect your privacy. You can remove your name at any time simply by sending another email request. If you'd like to speak with me personally about this program or any other subject, please call 804-559-2690. The best times are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday Eastern Time. If you do not reach me, please leave your name, a message, and a callback number. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.